How many more overtimes will we see Kennesaw State play this year? Well, we don't have the answer to that, but we do have the answers looking back at the Owls' thrilling win against North Alabama and getting set for another A-Sun Conference game against Central Arkansas. Barkley Miller, Brandon Sutton, Caleb Meal, join me, Nolan Alexander, next on Inside the Nest. Holy moly, guys. Caleb O'Neill's first game as a radio analyst on the KSU Owl Network sees this. Caleb, how do you top this? Go win a natty, I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Other than, other than that, because first time on, double overtime thriller. It was I it was literally more than what I thought it could have been, more than what I dreamed it would have been, and it was just a great night all around. Sutton, how do you rate him in the booth? Uh, Caleb was great. He took everything we told him and ran with it. He was awesome up there. It was a great call. And all in all, I don't know if it was him being in the booth that made him such a heart attack, but good Lord, it was such a great call, such a great game. And it was, it was, a, great, it was a great time having him up there. 40-34, to 34, Kennesaw State prevails in double overtime against North Alabama. We talked about it here on Inside the Nest. We said this is going to be a tight, difficult ball game because of what UNA brings to the table. And in a lot of ways, it was really similar to last year. I made the remark to Barkley, we, this may have been on air on the TV side, but I feel like the difference in UNA's growth this year was last year the KSU defense held them to a field goal. And then the Owls went down and scored. This year, they were able to get that touchdown at the end. Of course, KSU came back to tie it. What did you guys think of the play call? Fourth and one, throwing it Shepard to Foster. Man, first off, I, I thought that that was a really gutsy play call from Coach Chestnut. I mean, I think everyone in the crowd, in the stands, besides him, even on the sidelines, thought we were going to run – the quarterback power play just to the left or the right. Right. I mean, it, that's what you and a thought was going to happen. That's what I thought was going to happen. Whenever I saw Shep take that little fake step up and step back, it was almost like the Tebow jump pass. I was like, Oh my gosh. And then it felt like that ball was in the air forever and a half. I'll tell you what it does though. Nolan, what, what's really exciting about it. Not only did we score, that's awesome. That was so unexpected. That was great play call. But now teams have to game plan for that. They have to be a little bit more honest on the goal line. They can't just put the whole school at the line of scrimmage and send everybody. They know that this is in the play call now, and they know it's something that we can execute. So they can't just send everybody. It, it changes how you can operate at the goal line now. I really thought it just it completely – threw off the tempo of the game that we saw so far from the offensive side of that Coach Chestnut was literally up in that booth playing the most intricate game of chess we've ever seen with these with some of these defenses. And just one, first off, what a great decision by him to call the play, but just what a spectacular play that was made by Isaac. He really found the ball in the air and just did everything to make sure he got underneath it. So just it, it was just so, so crazy to see. I agree with Barclay there that it was almost some Tim Tebow-esque jump pass a little bit. But I think it, I think it's awesome because, you know, every coach talks about having their, they're like, got to have it, short yardage, two-point conversion, win a game, top plays. And they just keep them in the 
keep them in the bank, pun intended, until it's time to until it's time to let one out, you know. And the fact that in a big time moment like that, you rely on your fifth year senior running back, your quarterback that has a lot, a lot of experience, preseason player of the year consideration like that's saying hey guess what i've trusted my guys i believe in our guys and we're going to make it happen and i think that's beautiful like sut said people are going to have to think about that from now on and it's it's beautiful i'd like to get your thoughts as a receiver i know foster's a slot back but in in that situation it's just technically a one-yard pass is probably in the air you know five six yards how difficult is that in that situation? Well, the, for me, what I always found the most difficult is with that play call they had, Isaac Foster knew unless something in, insane happens, the ball is coming to him. So my biggest thing is you get the play call from the huddle, from the line of scrimmage, whatever, and you, you go line up and your heart is racing triple time what it normally would like it's fourth and one it all comes down to this but it's also guess what it's on me now to make this play and you can see from the the slow motion video they posted yesterday as soon as that ball was in the air his eyes were he looked like an owl big old eyes locked on that football it's floating through the air and when he grabbed it you could tell he he knew what he was doing. He grabbed it. He cradled it with both arms, fell on his forearms, rolled to his back, showed he had possession. Just a great, great play from a fifth-year senior that has a lot of experience and is a great player, great asset to Kennesaw State. It was a really big game for Isaac Foster. I want to touch on that before we dive into our one big thing that we took away from the game against UNA. Isaac, we know his his history at Kennesaw State, came on All-American kick returner. 2019, up until the game at Presbyterian, was setting the Kennesaw State single-season record for yards per carry. I mean, he was unstoppable. Still had it by the end of the year, but suffered that season-ending injury, and then he's battled injuries the last two years. This year, he's been in every game for Kennesaw State. He started every game. He's, except for this past one, he, he's been a little bit... Uh, prone to taking the big hit like we've discussed and every single time he's popped back up and I think maybe this team can follow Isaac's lead of just kind of staying in the game the longer you can stay in the game good things happen and he had the game of the season so far for KSU able to do it on the ground with a game-winning touchdown and of course through the air yeah Nolan I think that's an excellent representation of the guy that Isaac Foster is and who he's been this entire his entire career here He's been a put your head down, go to work, and don't care about what's going on, whether it's rehab, whether it's conditioning, whether it's a game. He's just been a grinder since the day he showed up on campus. And I think that if a lot of guys, and I know a lot of guys do, look towards him as a leader and as a role model in this program. So I think that that's a great opportunity for him and for the team to see and I talked I touched on it last week they had to they need to learn to win this year's team needs to learn to win and what better than your fifth year senior star running back 
to look to to help kind of put the team on his back a little bit and carry you to victory. And and if we're looking at it, just think about what that means from the coach's side, like how much faith they have in him. Like Caleb, like you, between the two of us, how many offensive meetings and fourth down scenario conversations that we both sat through and Coach Chestnut, the, the play sheet we're going through, it, it, most of those plays are on the ground, on the ground, inside, just doing stuff like that. But in, in such a high-stakes situation for Coach Chestnut to go, or put it all on Isaac, that just speaks to, to his ability as a player, as a leader of this team, and and what he's can continue to do for this team. Yeah, I mean, Nolan, you kind of hit on it. This was definitely a uh... – Feel like it was a game that Isaac Foster needed too, you know, like for his confidence, for his sake. I mean, he has played in every game this year. He hasn't had that breakout game yet. But I mean, you look at his stat line: six carries for 36 yards and a tutty, and then obviously five catches, 76 yards, and that huge touchdown. Um, this is going to help him out confidence-wise. Uh, with as many injuries as he's had, I, I know it's hard to trust your body coming back from that, and I think that. The game last weekend against UNA is a big step forward for him in that process. Owls win double overtime, 40 to 34 against North Alabama. They host Central Arkansas Saturday, one o'clock, fifth Third Bank Stadium, second of four straight home games. KSUOwls.com/slash/tickets or call the ticket office to secure your seats here today. All right, one big thing you took away from the Owls double OT win against the Lions. The big thing that I took away. From the double OT win against the Lions, the easy cop out is that they figured out a way to win and they got it done and they and they finished right. But to me, the biggest thing that I saw from the offense that makes me really happy going into this next week, and I'm gonna give one for the offense, one for the defense. We have a two back besides Preston Daniels. His name is Josiah Clemens, and he showed up big against UNA, not just carrying the ball. He had a good day carrying the ball, seven attempts for 51 yards. He had a great day throwing out blocks from the two-back position, which is huge, and you have to have it from that position if you're going to bust open big plays with your slot backs and your quarterback carrying the ball. And then defensively, a big takeaway, and I don't know how big it is. I think everybody kind of had this in the back of their mind. You, If you're going to try to run the ball against this Kennesaw State defense in between the tackles, you better bring your lunch fail because it's going to be a long day. So Derek Powell, a kid who is a monster. I mean, you watch the way he runs. He's very impressive with the football in his hands. He's very explosive. 16 attempts for 41 yards. That's 2.6 yards a carry. I mean, there was no work for him in between the tackles, even whenever he tried to bounce it out. The pursuit from the Kennesaw State defense, the eat, was there on Saturday, and those are my two big takeaways. And for me, uh, my biggest takeaway from Saturday is I'm sticking with Barkley on the defense side of the ball. Marquise Montgomery is a guy, and he's one of these – he's a stud out there for these Kennesaw State team. No matter what they, his assignment was on Saturday, he was up for the task and up for the challenge, whether they had him dropping into coverage or sending himself down the, down the edge for a blitz. He was all over the place on Saturday afternoon, and he he made impact plays left and right. So he he was he's from my, my biggest takeaway from this weekend is that Marquise Montgomery is a dude, and he's going to continue to be that playmaking guy and leader on the defense side of the ball. And then my takeaway 
goes back a little bit to what we talked about last week of or the last couple of weeks is they're trying to find their identity, find who they are as a team and come together and play as a team and things like that. I think with how well they spread the ball on offense with either eight or nine different guys touch the ball carry wise. And then we had three different people, four different people were catch passes, spread the ball on offense. I think that we can see the coaches and the players start to trust each other more. They're, they're doing their job knowing that anyone at, that's on that field has my back at any given time. With a touchdown pass that should have been reviewed that didn't get reviewed to Chavis Marshall, to Dylan Hand, who the coaches talked about in preseason, coming in, making a pick right there at the end of the game to change the complete swing momentum to Marquise Montgomery, to Isaac Foster, to the Xavier Shepard coming off the bench to putting D'Lo in. I think everyone on this, it's becoming more of a team game than a two or three man show. And I think that's beautiful. Hey, look, to speak to your point, my big takeaway has to do with the quarterbacks and I think in a lot of the situations, we would lead off with what Xavier Shepard did off the bench. However, we know that he has that in him, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit here in just a minute. But how everyone else stepped up and played good games, I think really speaks to the point of this being a true team win for KSU. My big thing is everything that Coach Bohannon has said to the media about the quarterback room came true on Saturday. Everything that he said about how Murph and Shep have been in competition and support each other. Murphy went out on the first drive with injury. Xavier Shepard comes in. He finishes an 18-play scoring drive. That's long. That's a long time to march down the field, and he was able to do it after Murphy had that fourth-and-one quarterback sneak, which also, why was that spot not reviewed? But that should have been a precursor for us to know how reviews were going to go in that ballgame, looking back at it. But Shep goes 13-for-18 passing, a buck 72 and two touchdowns. He rushed 34 times for 102 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. The best game of the season for Shepard. But Coach mentioned this afterward in the postgame. It's not easy being in his situation. You go from the starter to not starting, and you had these All-American Conference of the Year accolades as well. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. That's, that's not something that's easy to go through. He was ready to go. He was ready to go. So that means he was mentally locked in going into this ballgame. So first, you got to give Xavier credit right there. Second, seeing Murphy on the sidelines, he was pumping up Shep from looking down the broadcast booth. He's pumping up. And then when Shep had to come out for a play that D'Lo came in, D'Angelo Hardy came in at quarterback, Murph was all up in Hardy's ear, pumping up the other quarterback. Murph was actively engaged in the ballgame as he has been his entire KSU career. And then Hardy comes in. That's, that's second and goal. It's right at their goal line. I mean, this isn't you're coming in to run out the clock into the ball game. That was the most critical down he's ever played at KSU. And while it wasn't a successful down, there could have been a lot of other bad things that could have happened. Could have had a bad snap, could have fumbled. There's a whole gamut of possibilities. But everything Coach said about Murphy and Shepard, I think, was put on display. You tip your cap to Xavier Shepard coming off the bench, throwing for almost 200 yards, a couple scores, two touchdowns as well. There was a fumble on there. I think that was a little bit of a friendly fire. I don't really put that one on Shep. 
just a phenomenal game. I tip my cap to him in that whole quarterback room and really the coaching staff with Chandler Burks, Coach Bohannon, Coach Chesnut, to be able to take that type of situation and then Shep comes out, plays the game of the season. Those are my takeaways. The other one big thing I learned is that you you can review things in 2022. I, I, I thought maybe you couldn't, but apparently you can review things. So hopefully we'll not have to review things, but we know that we can review things this Saturday. That should be interesting. Yeah. You, you know, you'd think we're playing in the bank. We know DV sport works because our coaches and players use it every day. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure DV sport is up and running. They use it across the country, across all divisions of football. But hey, I, I guess Saturday it just, Someone, somewhere, it wasn't working. That was one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen in my short time of broadcasting. I mean, the fact that we're sitting in the booth getting the replay just fed to us over and over and over again. But not just that one. Multiple replays on multiple things. I mean, that was... I, I feel bad for the the Atlanta faithful. They had to deal with the referee crew this past Saturday against UNA. Then they had to turn around and watch the Falcons too, man. I mean, in the terrible rough in the passer call against Tom Brady, like a, a rough weekend for the Atlanta faithful. But yeah, that was ridiculous. You know what? For this weekend, I'm just going to go down on the field and make sure I'm just going to be working the DV sports box the entire time. So uh, no questions asked this weekend. Just don't worry about it. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to wave them down every play. Brandon Sutton, analyst slash sideline reporter slash replay operator this weekend. <laughs> replay operator. Brandon's just going to be screaming at him. We have the replay. We have nope. it. Leaving nothing out there on the field this week, boys. So in the postgame press conference, Brian Bohannon was asked what explanation he got from that play. Have you all had the chance to listen back to the press conference and, and what explanation Coach nope. Bo was given? And and the reason I haven't even looked up anything, one, because I would just get mad again. And two, there's not a good explanation on this earth oh. on why. Oh, just wait. Calls on, on both sides, though, Nolan. Like, that's, that's what's frustrating to me. I know I'm biased towards Kennesaw State. I'm always going to be. I can't help that. But it was both sides. UNA, too. They had so many calls that got blown. And that's why Coach Willis was going nuts. So coach was given the explanation that Chavis Marshall went out of bounds and did not reestablish himself. I thought, I thought we figured that out last week. We never heard that before. Huh? (laughs) If that was the explanation, that is insane. And on top of that, they should have thrown a flag if that's the explanation because it's a penalty. He pushed him out. Where was the flag? Yeah. That he was pushed out of bounds. Bro, and that he didn't reestablish himself after being pushed out of bounds. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That gets my blood boiling. And on top of that, uh, from the replay, we saw Nolan. It didn't look like he went out of bounds. Well, let's take a short break right here. Calm ourselves down. Up next, we bring on Gabe Binyard, slot back for Kennesaw State. Get his thoughts on that win against UNA and looking ahead to Central Arkansas. Gabe Binyard joins us next on Inside the Nest. Meet the Owls up close and personal and engage with Owl Nation. 
Show your support for the black and gold and stay up to date on all of our social media platforms. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter and Instagram at KennesawSTFB to keep up with news and scores. To stay up to date on all things KSU Athletic, follow us on Twitter at KSU Owl Nation, as well as following us on our Instagram and liking our Facebook page at Kennesaw State Owls. And we're excited to welcome on Kennesaw State's Gabriel Binyard, who returned to action a couple of weeks ago, had a big game against North Alabama in the Owls' dramatic two-overtime win against the Lions. We're excited to have him on Inside the Nest for the first time. Mr. Binyard, I want to lead out with this. Your name is Gabriel. We hear people call you Gabe. Do you have a preference, Gabriel or Gabe? Uh, I prefer Gabe. It sounds better. That's what you've been calling me since, since high school. Gabe it is. Yeah. Of course, you're you're on the roster with your twin brother, Garland Binyard, and y'all both made a name for yourselves as true freshmen. I want to go back before that. What was the recruitment process like for the both of you for when you first evaluated schools, and how did you both come to the decision for KSU? When we first got recruited, uh, it was kind of hard because during COVID, we couldn't really come on campus, get uh, tours of, but we all got on Zoom, Coach Bo. We took some um, time, me and my brother to uh, talk about uh, where we want to go, we want to go to schools together or separate. But we decided to come to Kennesaw together. It would be uh, best for our parents. So they ain't got to travel both um, ways. So how excited were mom and dad when y'all made the decision together? Oh, they were very excited. Very excited to see us come up here and do what we do now. And Gabe, it was uh, an incredible win this past Saturday against North Alabama. How do you as a player balance maintaining your composure in critical and pressure-packed situations, but also trying to play off the adrenaline of the game and rise to the challenge. What does that look like on the field? It was amazing. Just like Obo says, we just got to finish every play, every quarter. Just go out there and keep fighting. We've been um two overtimes these past two weeks, so we just got to keep uh, fighting every, um, every play. Just give it our best. So, Gabe, going back to last week, man, just – I know, like the excitement level on the field after the game, everybody was going crazy and whatnot. But like, what was what was going through your going through your mind during those last few plays of the defense was on the field? Oh, I got faith in our defense. I know they'll get the job done and do what they do. I mean, they're prepared for these moments, but it's a tough situations for them because they had to stop them. But yeah. <laughs> now let's uh, let's roll it back a little bit uh, further back into the game during that first kick return you had you, you came out of that end zone like a rocket man what what what'd you see or what, what was going through your head like, i was just trying to set the tone first kick return i just wanted to hit the hole burst through it you know i'm trying to put us on the board first quarter so gabe you know something that coach Bo has really hit on and i'm sure he's talked to you guys about y'all you guys are you're we're missing a lot of leadership going into the season from last year and something y'all need to learn how to do was finish, right? Well, y'all finished Saturday, and it was really fun to watch. What was the biggest difference between Saturday and then the weekend before against Jacksonville State when it felt like it was right there, but you just didn't get it done? I you know it's all about that, that mindset. Like, we was ready to go out and do what we do. Like both say, we always got to finish. We got to be prepared. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I know everybody's just got to learn how to get it done. Every team is different. Another thing is an A-back. The new rule mm-hmm. this year where you can't cut from the outside in. I know that's been tough on you guys. What have you done to prepare yourself? Because you got to make a lot more man-up blocks instead of being able to cut these guys. Uh, what What have you done to kind of prepare yourself, and how are you going about that rule change? Uh, I don't really like that rule, but uh, for us, uh, slot bats, when it's big, it's like throwing is pretty easier. But because G, we always we got to fit inside. We got to use all our strength. Really, they're like way bigger than us. But uh, we practice uh, every day, striking the bats, getting better and better with our techniques and all that. Yeah, no, I like it, and I'm with you, man. I don't, I don't like the rule either at all, personally. But, yeah, no, uh, you guys definitely got after against UNA. Y'all, y'all are giving those linebackers some fits, man. Oh, yeah. If there was one moment you could go back and feel the emotion or feeling again from Saturday, what would it be? I'd probably say my kid return. I really thought I had a hole, but I got tripped up. All I seen was kickers going to be one-on-one. I had one move. I was going to take all the way to the end zone. Probably the one moment, yeah. Yeah, man, that was close, man, real close. Gabe, we thought you were going to house step. that one, too. Oh, yeah. I really thought I had it. So, Gabe, last question for you here. We saw a fun video on social media of the team dancing in the locker room afterward after that thrilling win. Who do you think has the best dance moves in the postgame locker room? <laughs> I'd probably say D'Lo. You think D'Lo? Why so? It's just the way he moves. Like He's kind of stiff with it. It makes it funny. But... He got some good moves. I like it, Gabe. Well, we look forward to watching D'Lo's moves, hopefully, after the game against Central Arkansas this Saturday. Thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck against the Bears. Sir. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we're making banking a fifth third better. Cappuccino for Dave? Yep. Oh, I overdrafted? Now this coffee is $43. That's steep, even for us. With Fifth Third Momentum Banking, we've got your back, which is why we give you extra time to avoid an overdraft. That's way better. This is banking. A Fifth Third better. Fifth Third Extra Time keeps you longer. Anytime before midnight ET on the business day after your account is overdrawn to make a deposit that brings your available balance to at least $0. Visit 53.com for additional details. Fifth Third Bank, NA member FDIC. Guys, a short but crazy week in the A-Sun. Central Arkansas falls to OVC opponent Lindenwood, 52-49. Obviously, there was plenty of offense in that one. Will McIlvain really stood out. 17 of 30, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and it was the coming out party of Darius Hill. 19 carries, 170 yards, a long of 73, and one touchdown. Now, since there wasn't a whole lot to talk about last week, I think something that's really important right now, the algorithm is finally out and the standings are made for right now. You have Stephen F. Austin at number one in the A-Sun WAC power rankings, followed by Tarleton, who is ineligible. So that is a de facto number two. Austin P coming in at first in the A-Sun standings right now for the A-Sun, still behind Stephen F. Austin in the rankings. Then Abilene Christian, Eastern Kentucky, Kennesaw State coming in at six, then followed by Southern Utah, Central Arkansas, Utah Tech, who is also ineligible, and at the bottom right now is North Alabama. The algorithm is a 70-15-15 split. 
70% goes to your record and the opponents you played, 15% goes to your opponent's records, and the other 15% goes to your opponent's opponent's record. So that's what it's going to make up when it comes to the AQ for the A-Sun and the WAC Alliance this year. And guys, I have a feeling that this week is going to separate the men from the boys. Obviously, Kennesaw State, Central Arkansas at home. Murray State going to Austin P. a 4 p.m. kick. Austin P. coming off of a bye week and a disappointing loss to Central Arkansas the week before. Eastern Kentucky then hosts Sam Houston State, former national champion two years ago. That's going to be a possible FBS win as they are transitioning up just like Jacksonville State for EKU. And speaking of Jack State, they go to North Alabama for a 7 p.m. kickoff. That game with a lot of implications as well. North Alabama has played a lot of teams close. No one knows that better than Kennesaw State. And that is your A-Sun update, guys. Thank you, Gabe Binyard, for joining us. Thank you, Jordan Griffith, for a look around the A-Sun. want to preface this also. Bryce Gobert unable to make inside the nest today. His tire light came on, so he's getting that checked out. So one of the joys of adulthood going off to college is uh, maintaining your car. I've been there before, Bryce. So we hope it goes well. If you're ever in need of a flat tire, Barkley has volunteered his services. Drive over in his new truck, pick you up, fix your flat tire, charge you just a, a small fee. Lunch only. That's all it takes. Big A-Sun game this weekend against a new opponent for Kennesaw State, the Central Arkansas Bears. Now, if we go to Central Arkansas, we'd have to talk about their field, their, their purple and gray field. But here, well-kept, manicured, fifth, third bank stadium, playing host 1 o'clock. Buy your tickets, KSUOwls.com, or call the ticket office for the Bears and the Owls. Another, again, must-win game in a tighter A-Sun conference. Let's take a look at Central Arkansas and what the Bears bring to the table. They're 2-4 and four this year, a little bit deceptive. They just came off a shootout loss to Lindenwood, a team transitioning up from D2. They had a lot of success there. They lost that ballgame by 3, 52-49. Looks like they've been able to score some points offensively. So let's start out with that. Barkley Miller is KSU defense against Darius Hale and the Central Arkansas Bears. It's funny you bring up Darius Hale because um, don't get me wrong. He had a huge game against Lindenwood, right? I mean, he 19 carries, 170 yards and a tutty. Um, But really, who I'm worried about, Nolan, is Will McElvain. I think that's how you say his name. It's different. 17 for 30. Oh, Joel's breath. 341 yards and five touchdowns. The kid's a monster. And if you want to go back, though, it's not like it's just, oh, you know, I've never heard of Lindenwood. It was just them. You go look at whenever they upset Austin P. right? A game that they weren't supposed to win. Austin P. was ranked in the top 25. Austin P. sitting at 4-2, and two, very good football team. Will McElvain, 20 for 31, 261 yards and four touchdowns and one interception. That's who I'm worried about. Because you look at Darius Hill in that game, 12 attempts, 50 yards, 4.2 yards of carry. He's a good back, but running backs have not been successful against Kennesaw State at all this year. But man, these receivers they have at Central Arkansas are something serious. They're big, they're physical. I mean, Trustin Oliver, 6'4, able to go up and get it, had a bunch of big plays against Austin P that I saw. Uh, he led them with two catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. And that's another thing about Will. He, he spreads the ball around. He doesn't just have one favorite target. He kind of distributes it to everybody. 
Um, really impressed watching this kid. He plays like he's been around a long time, which is impressive. It kind of reminds me of what we saw this past weekend uh, with UNA. They Their quarterback, Noah Walters, had a really good game. And Coach Safford's going to have to coach up these DBs. It's going to be a tall task for them this week. Uh, going with Central Arkansas, come to the bank, and they're going to have to do some air traffic control. Markeith Montgomery's going to have to get them in check and make sure that they're tackling these guys. We're going to see a lot of zone. We're going to see a lot of cover four with two high safeties. I w- against this Central Arkansas team who likes taking shots deep, I'd run two high safeties almost the whole time unless you want to just show some different blitz stuff. Um, make sure you don't get hit deep, but it's going to be really important to make sure that they make the tackle as soon as the receiver or running back out the backfield catches the ball. Flip it over other side of the football. This Kennesaw State offense got it going against North Alabama. We saw the Owls get the ball in the perimeter a lot more with success than we had in previous games. And then, of course, Shepard passing for almost 200 yards to a variety of receivers. How does the Owls offense match up against this UCA defense, Mr. Sutton? Well, looking into this week, guys, we're going to start off with one thing. We're going in. We're going into a game against a new opponent, someone we haven't seen before. So that's going to bring a, the one thing that we see anytime you play somebody new with this this spread option offense. We're probably going to get the kitchen sink thrown at us from the defensive perspective. Th- this defensive team, they are led by, as Coach Chestnut would put them, a, a group of stud muffins because they got some dudes that, that look good as soon as they get off the bus. If you know what I mean. <laughs> of their um, of their front seven, three of them are on their leading tackler list, uh, Demetrius Charles, uh, David Walker, and Logan Jessup. And David Walker and Logan Jessup are their two star defensive ends, and these guys are good. And they're going to be very impactful into this ballgame this weekend. They're going to try to do everything they can to control the ends and try to work some inside stuff to try to force Shep and them to make some quick decisions. And we also are going to have to look at the decision-making of Coach Chestnut going into this ballgame, what he wants to do and how he wants to start it out, because that's going to be very a big determining factor of what Central Arkansas is going to be able to do from the defensive side of the ball. But going into things, we're already going to have to be ready that maybe that first drive, we're probably going to get four or five different looks, and that we're going to have to hope that since they're playing so many different looks, we're going to be able to work on a few of those missteps and mishaps that happen from their defensive side of the ball. Get the ball in the air, get the ball going on the perimeter like we saw again. Uh, last week and hopefully get the ball in the end zone early. Yeah, and it'll be fun to see what fronts Central Arkansas throws at us because, you know, that, that we're new to them as well. And we're going we're gonna to see what works and what doesn't. And like I talked about on the radio broadcast on Saturday, teams normally start out in a front switch it up, and then they settle in by the second or third drive to what they want to do. So for me and you, Sud, as offensive guys, it's really cool to kind of see how that's going to go because they can prepare for a certain front all week, and I'm sure they'll prepare for the kitchen sink, like you said. But once they settle in and Coach Chesnut kind of settles into what front they're going to be in and what looks he's trying to give them, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see it unfold hey, and just looking at the two deep caleb just looking at the guys they have these two stud dns really good linebacker a couple of dbs top of it uh really high on their uh leading tackler list so uh just with the personnel i've seen i'm, I'm thinking we're probably going to get some five minutes 
maybe uh, maybe a little triple stack in there because many guys can keep them in there in the box as much control from left to right as they can. So we're it's going to come down to what they they feel comfortable with with their personnel. But I think we're going to see a lot on Saturday. Absolutely, and as we know, the way the spread off spread off offense goes, there's always a read back and a pitch back. So or a read key and a pitch key. So I can see them trying to make play calls to isolate those game changers and attempt to take them out of the game. You know, that's what they usually try to do. So why not continue that and keep it rolling? Get the ball in the perimeter and let's ride with it. But hey, um, go ahead. I was saying we, we saw how it worked this past weekend. So we did. We saw some progress. Absolutely. Which leads me into some special teams which is interesting because they have a, a punt returner named Jared Barnes and a kick returner named Christian Richmond who have both returned kicks for touchdowns. The punt return by Jared Barnes was against Austin P two weeks ago and then Christian Richmond returned one this past weekend against Lindenwood on a kickoff. So that two more dangerous players in the return game that we're going to have to slow down and kind of make sure we're on our P's and Q's. But on the flip side of that, they have given up three kicks for touchdowns, two kickoffs and a punt return for a touchdown. So as we just, as we talked about with Mr. Benyard, he might have another, another chance to sneak one, sneak through the line and fire up up the band on Saturday. So we're looking forward to that. And then in the kicking game, they are 50% field goals. Four for eight. And I think if we, like we did this past week, Ben, but don't break, don't give, don't let them get in the box, don't let them get six, make them kick field goals, that statistically speaking, there's a 50% chance they don't make the field goal. And I think that is definitely going to be a point of emphasis for this defense to bend but don't break, keep them out of the box, as always, and make them kick a field goal in the situation where they would like to score a touchdown. Caleb, Brandon, and Barkley, great job as always. We'll take one last break when we come back. Gabe Binyard rejoins us, answers a would you rather, and then fact or fiction. It's coming up next on ITN. Wellstar Health System helps Kennesaw State Owls stay in the game, no matter what your health goals or concerns are. Find our convenient health centers on campus. Our providers will get to know your needs and help you stay feeling your best. When you go off campus, Wellstar is there for you too. With hospitals, urgent care centers, and medical offices nearby to keep you well. Visit wellstar.org to learn more. And we're back for our Would You Rather and Scoreboard Round. Gabe Binyard, Brandon Sutton, Barkley Miller, and Caleb O'Neill. So the first thing here, Gabe, before we get into a, a trivia question, is just a simple would you rather. Gabe Binyard, would you rather get trapped in the middle of a food fight or a water balloon fight? Water balloon fight. 
Why? Because I don't want all that food on me. It'd be messy and all that. I'd rather be just wet with water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with Gabe. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the middle of a food fight. That's nasty. They clean it up after that. You might have stains, all that. Man, you're in the middle of a water balloon fight. First off, it's fun. Second off, you're just wet, having a blast. And if it's hot outside, it's even better. It might cool you off a little bit. Obviously, neither of y'all have ever been in an actual food fight. Because that is going to be some of the most fun you can ever have on school grounds. Luckily, it wasn't spaghetti day when it happened to us in high school. It was like chicken nugget day or something. But I just remember like chucking stuff across the lunchroom. Probably the top ten things I've done in my life. It's got to be bucket list type stuff, guys. Yeah, I've never been in a food fight before. I've been in plenty of water balloon fights. So I'm definitely, it's like a bucket list thing to launch a handful of food at somebody one day. Not out of anger, but out of camaraderie and pure competition. To just get after somebody and just smack them with a big old wad of spaghetti. Maybe throw a chicken nugget at Sutton's head. You know, you never know. I'm with you two. I would rather be in a food fight. Cleanup-wise, it's not going to be as fun, but if I had to pick, I'm going to have to get clean either way. So I'm with you on the food fight. I think that would be fun. But, of course, Bryce Gobert, who can't be with us today because he's attending to some car trouble, would just be able to outrun everyone since he has such a great 40 time, according to the podcast last week. So, Blazing speed. Yeah, blazing speed. <laughs> now we're on to – this is when it counts, Okay. Every student athlete but DeAndre Morris last week has gotten this right. It's a simple fact or fiction. So uh, your brother, Garland, got this right towards the start of the year. You just have to tell me which one of these statements is true and which one is false. So your two statements are George Washington had wooden teeth or Mario of Super Mario Brothers fame was once a carpenter. I say... Super Mario's false. Okay, that's Gabe's answer. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna guess Gabe. I'm gonna say Super Mario is true that he was originally a carpenter. There's no reason behind that, but George Washington thing, heard that before. Yeah, you know what? Steered away from it. We're in a food fight here playing chicken between Caleb and Barkley. Who wants to take the next shot? <laughs> um, Caleb went off of me and back on me, so I guess I'll go. Uh, uh, God, this is a hard one. No, this is this is the best one of the year. I'm going to go with Gabe. I'm going to go with the George Washington one. It is something I've heard before. I can see where that's where you're playing into this. But, man, Mario was a plumber. So a carpenter before, that's just weird. Yeah, Mario is very appealing here because I feel like a lot of things like that start out as one thing and then they like over time morph into whichever new thing really kind of takes off. But I have heard multiple times that George Washington had fake teeth that were wooden and that's why he never truly smiled and showed his teeth because he didn't like them. So I'm I'm going with Gabe here, taking the taking George Washington as fact. Mm. So three on and one, people right? And brush their teeth back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, people man, didn't they, brush their teeth back in the day. 
they had gross teeth unless you were really bougie or something. George Washington was a little bougie because he did have fake teeth and inside his fake teeth were ivory, gold, lead, even other human teeth, but no wood. Mr. Mario was first introduced as a carpenter in Donkey Kong. Brandon Sutton, you get the point this week. <laughs> Sound the alarms. Nice play, B. Sutton. Good call. Good call. Gabe, thanks for playing with us. You can go trick your teammates today at practice. <laughs> Best of luck against the Bears this Saturday. We look forward to watching you and KSU at home Saturday at 1 at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Thanks again, Gabe. You're welcome, no problem.